Good morning. Welcome to week number six of an eight-week sermon series entitled Soul Shepherd. We've been doing a dig, a deep dig, through the famous 23rd Psalm, the Shepherd's Psalm. And I've been asking participants for five weeks now to really do a dig into their own soul. To be naked and honest before God and ask two probing questions. They're very simple. Do you know the soul shepherd? And does he know you? That's the main point. The big idea of the whole sermon series. Just two questions. It takes honesty. Do you really know him? We've been looking at David's testimony of the shepherd he knew. And so far we've seen five facets or expressions of the shepherd David knew that we ought to know as well. If you know him, you'll know him just like David knew him. So week by week we've been examining verse by verse, word by word to make sure that we know him. Here's what we've seen so far. In week number one, we examined the soul-satisfying shepherd. And the first question that we asked is, does Jesus really satisfy you? Now, to be fair, no one will be fully satisfied this side of heaven. That's why we continue to sin from time to time. But is he what you hunger for? Is he the object of your deepest thirst, hunger, desire? He was for David. Week number two, we looked at the soul-soothing shepherd. And I've asked the same question week after week. When the storms come up in your life, where do you go for alleviation? Where do you go for help? The soul shepherd was the one that calmed the storms in David's life. Is he that for you? Do you know the soul-soothing shepherd? Week number three. Week number three, we looked at the soul-restoring shepherd. The shepherd David knew had made his soul into something new. Do you know that shepherd? Has he converted your soul? That's what it means to have a restored soul. Week number four, the soul-steering shepherd. Simple question. Do you follow him or are you asking him to follow you? He doesn't give that option. And yet millions of people want to kind of twist the relationship to be like that. Do you know the soul-steering shepherd that David knew? Last week, week number five, we looked at the soul-assuring shepherd. And the simple question we asked was this. Has Jesus persuaded you? Has He persuaded you to follow Him through dark, shadowy valleys? All the way through to the darkest valley of all. The valley of the shadow of death. That's the shepherd David knew. Do you know him? Do you really know him? Before we move on to week number six. Let's go to him. Let's go to him honestly. Maybe you need to be on your knees this morning. I don't know. Just be honest. Father. What benefit would it be. For us to come to you with pretense or deception. You see our hearts. 
You know the truth. You know what's going on. I don't want to hide like Adam did. I know you know where I am. You know where everyone is. Even when we feel lost within ourselves, can't find true north, you know right where our soul is. So I pray, dear God, that you would help everybody that's participating in this service all across the country. I pray that you would help us to just be honest. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That's what we've covered so far in the last five weeks. Here will be our portion for this morning, week six. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Every shepherd, every faithful shepherd carries two instruments with him. These instruments are there for caring, comforting, Guiding, steering sheep. The faithful shepherd, though, has to know, he has to have discernment to determine when is the right time to use one instrument and when is the right time to use the other instrument. Look at those first, look at those two instruments now. The first is the rod. It's a short, heavy, club-like instrument. And it's used for discipline. It's used for several things. It's a multi-purpose tool, but it's primarily used for discipline. The second tool is quite different. It's the staff. Unlike the rod, the staff is long and thin with a crook or a hook on the end. And it's used, listen close, it's used for gentle, tender correction. Not stern discipline like the rod is, but gentle correction. It's used for the sheep that it's showing signs that it's beginning to wander from the shepherd and from the flock. As David walks through the valley of the shadow of death, remember, that's the context. His soul is walking through the valley, dark, shadowy place. Away from the mountaintop, now down into fearful places. As his soul navigates its way through that valley. Could be years. Could be decades. A tempter is always nearby, lurking behind the shadows. And he's constantly tempting every sheep, not just David, every sheep, to look away from the shepherd. And at times, every sheep does. Every sheep. What brings David comfort is not necessarily the instruments in the shepherd's hands, but it's the shepherd who holds those instruments. David knows that every sheep, including himself, is going to need times of discipline. He's going to need times when the shepherd inflicts pain. Yes, the shepherd himself will inflict pain on the sheep to make sure they don't wander away. 
And David says he takes great comfort in that because the shepherd will do for David what David knows he cannot do for himself. I feel exactly the same. Thank God I have a shepherd who cares enough to discipline me when I need it. I haven't always had that. And I take comfort in knowing that even if it means that I will be in pain sometimes, he will do whatever it takes to make sure that my soul is preserved through the dark valley and on through death's door into paradise that he's promised me. I want a shepherd like that who will do anything, even if it means I'm hurt from time to time. I want a shepherd who loves me that much. Do you? David did. He says, that's what brings me comfort. The rod and the staff of discipline. Those two tools, the shepherd, the soul shepherd will use with every Christian. Every truly born again person. Do you know him? He's going to use the rod of stern discipline. And he's also going to use the staff of gentle correction. This morning... David is bringing us face to face with the soul-correcting shepherd. Do you crave training? Do you crave correction? David did. We're living in a day where people hear correction. I'm going to correct something that you're doing that's wrong. And they hear offense. Who are you to correct me? The true sheep of Jesus crave training correction, and even discipline. Because all they want is to be like the shepherd. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know the soul correcting shepherd that David knew? Stick around, please, for the remainder of this sermon. Don't turn this off. I want to introduce you to a shepherd that wants to correct you because he loves you. Those two instruments he's going to use on every one of us. He will. He does. Instrument number one. The soul shepherd comforts his sheep with the rod of discipline. The rod of discipline. Let's break up the second half of verse 24. Your rod comforts me. Your rod comforts me? As I said earlier, the rod is a multi-purpose tool. In the scriptures, especially the Old Testament where the word appears all the time, It's used for several different things. The first thing it's used for, let's just stick with David, okay? The first thing it's used for in David's mind is protection. Listen to how David himself said that he uses the the tool himself when he was a shepherd. Listen to how he used it. David said, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock... I go after it with a club, that's a rod, and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. Whoa, David. The shepherd will use this tool, the rod, to crush any beast, be it a wolf or a lion, that threatens the safety of one of his sheep. You don't want to come into the presence of a wrathful, Shepherd, when he sees that one of his sheep is being threatened. But the second primary usage for this tool, the rod in the shepherd's hand, is for discipline. 
So it's not just used against the threat that's coming against his sheep. Sometimes he uses the rod on his sheep. Not in the same way and with the same amount of force, but it certainly is used. Listen to the covenant that the Lord, the shepherd himself, makes with David about David's own son, Solomon. Listen to the Lord's words himself. I will be to him, that's Solomon, a father. A father. And he shall be to me a son. Oh, he's going to take care of him like a father does. Well, what does that mean? Look, when he commits iniquity, when your son sins, David, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the son of men. Fathers discipline their sons, their children. That's love. The Lord is saying, yes, David, I promise you, I will care for your son just the same way I've cared for you, with the rod. I'll comfort him the way I comforted you, with the rod of stern discipline. Every good shepherd knows that his sheep are prone to wander. And what, parents, come on, what do you do when you know a child is getting ready to wander and you know that they can't survive on their own out there? Sheep, when they wander out in the wilderness, they're as good as dead. They can't survive. Parents, you know the answer. What does love do when you see your children about to wander off into something that's harmful? You know what you do. You discipline them. Does it feel good? Do you like doing it? No. But you do it because you love them. That's what a faithful shepherd does. So why is this such a source of comfort for David? That it was the first thing that came to his mind. Why is the rod of stern discipline a source of comfort? Allow me to explain what I'm convinced is one of the most misunderstood concepts in all of Western Christianity. If you get fired from your job, let's take a couple scenarios here. You get fired from your job because of poor performance. Would you get into your car on your last day there and say, well, that was a blessing. Probably not. If someone who knew you had an addiction to your cell phone took that cell phone, grabbed it out of your hand, and accidentally on purpose (laughs) dropped it into the toilet, would you look at them and say, oh, that was a blessing? We don't think that way. If you got a speeding ticket, for going 15 miles an hour over the speed limit. When you roll the window down and the cop comes off over to you and gives you the ticket, would you say, officer, this is such a blessing to me today? (laughs) Probably not. It's because most Western Christians have come to believe an ideology about discipline that is exactly the opposite of what God says discipline is. And so we miss the majority of God's blessings on our lives because they come in the form of divine discipline. The truth about discipline is just the opposite of what the Western world says it is. The Western world says discipline is something to be avoided. God says whoever spares the rod hates his son, but whoever loves him is diligent to discipline him. We're living in a time when many within the church itself equate 
disciplinary action with rejection. Chastisement with exclusion. If you hurt me, it must mean you hate me. That's the times we're living in. When God says just the opposite. He says, if you love someone, it will mean telling them things that will hurt them for a season. Loving sometimes means spanking. We live in a world that totally rejects that idea. Discipline is reserved by God for those whom he loves. And listen to this. It is one of the primary means by which he gives you blessing. If you were to pray, Lord, please just bless me. I need blessing from God today. What if it came in disciplinary action? Would you even recognize it? I want to show you how clear this is all throughout the scriptures. Let me give you a couple examples on your screen. Job 5. Behold, blessed is the one whom God reproves. Would you ever think like that? Therefore, despise not the discipline of the Almighty. Let's go back to David. Psalm 94. Blessed is the man whom you discipline, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law to give him rest from his days of trouble until a pit is dug for the wicked. For the Lord will not forsake his people. He will not abandon his heritage. That's what I was saying to you a few minutes ago. He will keep your soul safe all the way through the dark valley of the shadow of death. He will do for you what you're unable to do for yourself. And sometimes it means it's going to mean pain. That's how much he loves you. He will not abandon you even when you're like, just leave me alone. He won't. That's how much he cares for your soul. One more. Hebrews 12, the most important one. Hebrews 12 contains the whole point of this sermon. Listen close. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves and chastises every son whom He receives. It's for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you're left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we've had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they, talking about our earthly fathers, they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But He, God our Father, disciplines us for our good. And why? That we may share His holiness. Stop right there. Do you see what David is saying? He comforts me with His rod. Because I know it's for my good. He's sharing with me His holiness, which I can't have without Him. I have no holiness apart from Him. And that's what I'm after. That's what I crave most. Keep reading. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. May I offer you a short personal illustration to help really drive home what the author of Hebrews is saying? 
and what David is saying about the rod and discipline? Let me start by asking you a question. Is it possible to truly long for something and truly dread something at exactly the same time? Sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? Can you really long for something? Oh, I crave it and I dread it. Is that possible? Well, I've become convinced that not only is this possible, but it is an absolute inevitability for every true Christian. I've become convinced not only because that's what the scriptures tell me emphatically is true, but it's what I've experienced. And let me give you a short illustration. Those of you who know me know that I I love to run. I haven't done it in a while because I've been injured, but I love to do it. It's the only form of exercise that I really get a lot of pleasure out of. But something strange happens to me right as I finish tying up my laces and I get ready to walk out the door. It's inevitable. It happens every single time. When I go to walk out the door, suddenly something starts to form in the pit of my stomach. It's dread. It's dread. I don't want to do it anymore suddenly. Because I know what is about to come to me. Whether it's mile one or mile 21, inevitably, pain is coming. And it's about to happen soon. And I know it's coming because it happens every single time. And so I long to do, I crave this thing that at the very same time, a part of me utterly dreads. This is exactly what the author of Hebrews is saying. He's saying, a few verses later he says, that what every true Christian craves is holiness. Why would we crave holiness? Because without holiness, no one will see the Lord, he says. And so, discipline, training, shaping, think like an athlete, creates in us the thing that we crave the most. And so as much as I dread the pain that comes along with running, I also long for it. Same thing with following the Lord. I long for holiness because all I want in my life is to see the Lord. And without holiness, no one can see the Lord. And yet I dread it because I know walking out that door behind him, following him, it means that pain is going to come. Maybe soon, maybe a little while. But I know it's inevitable. That's what the author of Hebrews is saying. That's what training, that's what discipline is all about. So don't despise discipline. Because discipline gives you what your soul craves most if you truly know him. Do you know him? Do you really know him? Do you know the soul correcting shepherd? Those who know him crave his discipline. Because discipline offers us what we want the most. Listen, I don't often love running. Sometimes I'm out there and I can't stand it. I dread it. But I do it because it gives me the kind of exercise I love most. I don't love the painful parts of following Jesus. And there are many of them. But I love what He offers me. I love what He promises me. And I love that He assures me that He'll carry me through those painful parts. The rod brought David comfort because of whose hand held it. That's what brought him comfort. The rod was not the instrument of correction that was used most often. It was used, but it was used sparingly by the shepherd. The instrument that's used more frequently is instrument number two, the staff. 
This is the instrument of choice in the hand of the soul shepherd. Instrument number two. The soul shepherd comforts his sheep with the staff of gentle correction. Not only does your rod comfort me, your staff comforts me. A staff in the Old Testament, listen very closely to this. A staff in the Old Testament is a symbol of the authority of God. Specifically, the authority of the Word of God. Whenever you see a staff, it's commonly in the text, a symbol of the authority of the Word of God. And the most common place where we'll see that is in the staff of Moses. Let me show you what Moses said when he was getting ready to go to the people of God and speak on behalf of God. Look at what he says. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. What's Moses saying? Time out for a minute. Moses is saying, I have no authority. They're not going to listen to me. Look at what God says back to Moses. The Lord said to him, What's that in your hand? He said, A staff. And he, the Lord said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it. And it became a staff in his hand. And why? What's this for? What's this all about? Here he gives the answer. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Do you see what's happening there? The staff from that day forward would become a symbol or a sign of the authority of God. So that whenever Moses spoke to the people, they wouldn't say, who's this stuttering man? He was a stutterer. Why should we listen to him? He can't even speak right. The staff would be a symbol that when Moses spoke, it was the authority of God and they needed to obey it as such. As a matter of fact, a little side note here. The Bible talks a lot about the staff of Aaron. Aaron, who would become the priest. As a matter of fact, the the book of Hebrews talks about the staff of Aaron. Many believe that it was the staff of Moses that was bequeathed or given over to Aaron as the authority of God so that when the priest spoke, God was speaking. Well, you may or may not know this, but the shepherd's staff is most commonly used as a symbol of the office of pastor now in the church. As a matter of fact, many Bible colleges and seminaries and universities use the shepherd's staff as the logo of their school. One such school would be the master's university or the master's seminary, John MacArthur School. Here I put a picture of it on the screen for you. If you see right there in the center, those are all shepherd's staffs because they want that to be the symbol of what their school stands for. Here's my point in all this. The pastor of a church has been charged by the chief shepherd to serve his church as an under-shepherd. The primary call of the pastor of any church is to gently correct 
all of the flock of God that comes to that church and that is a part of that church. And how should a a shepherd, an under-shepherd, go about gently correcting, shaping, molding, and guiding his church as if it was the chief shepherd himself? How should a pastor do that? Lots of people arguing about that. Let me tell you, I don't get to decide that. I don't get to wake up every morning and say, well, how should I care for my church? How should I gently care for my flock that God has entrusted to me? I don't get that luxury. God says I do. Here's what the word of God says about my calling as the under-shepherd of this church. He tells me exactly how to gently correct the church. Take a look. 1 Timothy 4.2 Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Why, Lord? What's the purpose of preaching? What should be my goal in preaching? Look what it says. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Do you understand? The faithful pastor, and there are many all over the country, the faithful pastor doesn't try to be innovative. (laughs) He's not trying to think up new creative ways to do anything. All he's trying to do is be faithful to what the Word tells him to do. And here's what the Word tells the under-shepherd to do when he cares for the flock that belongs to another. My job and the job of every pastor is to gently correct the sheep because all I want, all I want for this little flock, Island Baptist Church, is to make it through the valley of the shadow of death with their soul intact. I don't want any sheep to go astray. I want us all to be faithfully following the soul shepherd who has given us his word to correct us and to discipline us, to shape us, mold us, guide us, to keep us in line. All I want is for us to walk through that narrow gate that leads to paradise. Isn't that what you want? Well, my job as a leader in this church is to make sure that I'm using the crook, the hook, the staff, the authority of the word of God to accomplish just that. That's the, this is the only tool I have. And that's what God wants me to do. So when the faithful shepherd of a church gets up and preaches and delivers the word of God, the people of God are to accept that as the authoritative commands coming from God. It's not the mouth of the shepherd. My mouth has nothing to offer you. I submit my mouth every single time I come up to this pulpit. I say, Lord, take control of my mouth so that when the people hear, it's you that they hear. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says is happening during preaching. Okay? Listen to him yourself. 1 Thessalonians 2, 12-13. Paul says, We encouraged you and comforted you as we urged you. That's an exhortation. To walk in a manner worthy of God. Who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Do you hear the shepherd there? Calling you, leading you. And we continually thank God. Because when you received the word of God that you heard from us. Now that's elsewhere translated as the word preached. So when you heard the word preached. You accepted it. Not as the word of men. So you didn't say, oh, look at this guy coming up here preaching to us. But as the true word of God. The word which is now at work in you who believe. Do you understand? God's word. 
when it is faithfully administered to his sheep is the exact way that the shepherd himself, Jesus, shapes, corrects, and keeps the souls of his sheep in shape. That's what's happening during preaching. When David sat and thought about the way that his shepherd, the shepherd of his soul, corrected his soul and corrected him throughout his life, he thought about the imagery of a staff. Because the staff is the symbol for the authority of the Word of God. So church, as we reflect upon the staff as the authority of God being used by God, the soul shepherd, to correct and shape his sheep. I did a little something this week that I've done every single week. I went onto this forum and I looked at what modern shepherds say about each tool that the, the shepherd uses. And I looked at what shepherds wrote in this forum designed only for sheep herders. I looked at what they wrote about the staff. And here's what they said. This is fascinating to me. I'm going to read it directly to you. It said, a shepherd's crook or a staff has two purposes. It gives you a longer arm and reach. When you want the sheep to, for example, go into a trailer or pen or turn at a crossing, waving a stick or the staff. And your outstretched arm helps you block them off and gently steer them. Gently steer them, it says, in the direction you want them to go. But the second purpose, oh, listen to this. It's used to catch sheep that you might need to treat. Using a crook for this purpose means you can catch a sheep, for example, that's limping around, or a sheep that needs to have his hoof trimmed, or a pregnant sheep that needs to be closed up with much less stress than if you needed to chase after the sheep and close up or pen the entire flock. Oh, dear sheep of Jesus. Do you see? That is precisely what the Bible is here to do for your soul. When the word is being preached, the true sheep of Jesus, hear it coming at them as if it's coming from the mouth of the soul shepherd himself. And they receive it as a healing balm on their souls. They hear the word preached as exactly what their souls need to keep them from wandering. They hear the word preached and they see it as a shepherd's staff. Gently correcting their soul. Disciplining them if needs be. So when I hear someone say something silly like, I don't need to hear preaching anymore. My response usually to myself is, Farewell, dear wanderer. You are removing yourself from the shepherd's crook, distancing yourself from his reach. Preaching is there to serve you from the shepherd, to keep you in his flock. And you want to distance yourself from it? Godspeed. God help you on your journey. So I have one question for you as we steer this in for a landing. Do you receive the correction of the Lord coming at you through preaching as comfort? Does it comfort you? Or does it offend you? Do you say things like, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening when you hear soul-correcting preaching coming at you? Or do you say, 
who does this guy think he is telling me how to live my life? He doesn't know me as if it's coming from me. Which sounds more like you? David said it was the correction of the Lord coming through those two instruments, the rod and the staff, that comforted him. Do you know the shepherd that way? Do you know the soul-correcting shepherd that David knew? Both of those instruments, church, the rod of stern discipline and the gentle staff that's used to correct his sheep, both are instruments of comfort because they offer us the confirmation that the soul shepherd will continue to lead us down the path through the dark valleys, even the valley of the shadow of death. And he will not lose one of you. That's his promise to you. Christian, wherever you are, his promise to you is, he will not lose you. And he will do whatever it takes, even if it means periods of pain. Even if it means, means listening to Preaching that hurts from time to time. Preaching that gets in your face and tells you what you don't want to hear. Do you long for it like the author of Hebrews did? Do you long for the discipline of the Lord? Even though sometimes you dread it? David did. What brought him the most comfort was the rod of stern discipline and the staff of gentle correction. Do you know the shepherd that David knew? Oh dear Christian, I pray that you do. I pray that you've learned that his discipline isn't something to run away from, but is the confirmation that He loves you. He only disciplines the ones that He loves. Are you going through a season of discipline now? If you are, I want to pray for you. If you're not, I promise you it's on the horizon. It's a blessing when it comes. Father, for those who feel like they're under the rod of stern discipline right now, help them to see it as a blessing. For you only discipline the ones that you love. For those who are on a mountaintop right now, may they recognize that the valley is near. And He will gently correct you through His authoritative Word. And when He does that, when He tells you the truth about yourself, Lord, help us all to remember that this is how He keeps me in His flock. Thank You, Lord, for Your Word. Thank You for David who was obedient and listened and who was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write absolute truth. Help us to make ourselves under it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This kind of sermon makes me want to sing. I hope it does the same for you. And I invite you to stand now wherever you are and sing to the soul-correcting shepherd.